Thank you for listening to the Weekly Market Outlook. It is our pleasure to bring an industry-leading market analyst to provide you with the most value possible in your farm business. Please reach out anytime by emailing cbaron at agviewsolutions.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AgView Pitch, and we are heading into kind of the first full week of October, the 4th through the 8th, and we have with us Jared Creed. How's it going, Jared? Doing well, Chris. I appreciate the invite again. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Uh, JC Marketing, you've uh, um, been out doing some farming yourself, too. How's things looking in your area? Well, I would say we're probably the norm quite a bit of better than expected, Mm -hmm. very locally right here. You know, we're about what, 50 miles Northwest of you as the crow flies. Yep. Uh, We missed, uh, you know, any moisture for an extended 30 day stretch from early to, uh, or late July to late August. Uh, And it really had uh, quite a bit of, quite a bit of expectations to really lower our crop potential. But so far, knock on wood, uh, it doesn't appear that uh, we really went that far backwards. Beans, okay. You know, there's going to be a lot of beans right here in this area going 60 to 70, some above, not many below. Uh, and corn, corn looks like a little bit of a sleeper, to be honest with you. Uh, corn definitely looks like it has the potential to be APH plus with the expectation of being below uh, just a short two, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. What are you hearing from your clients in various areas? I know you work with a lot of people scattered around you know, the corn belt, what are you hearing? Uh, are, are we, are we slightly better everywhere? Or, you know, I know obviously there's pockets in, in North Dakota and some areas in Minnesota and other pockets that are way below what, you know, and they kind of were expecting it. What are you hearing from your guys? Well, speaking for primarily the Western corn belt, North Dakota, South Dakota, variable, best way to put it. Uh, anywhere from 20 to 80 bushel beans can be a couple miles apart. Uh, corn, uh, a little too early to tell, but pretty variable there, but I think a little bit more optimism there. And then it's pretty easy to talk about, uh, well, Minnesota, maybe slightly better than expected, nothing special, uh, but not a, uh, not a disaster. And it's very easy to talk about Western Iowa and Eastern Nebraska, or just basically the states combined, huge. As in, I'm not so sure that we can't be talking about a record yield in Nebraska with Iowa not far behind. Way higher than expectations. And when I say way higher than expectations, I'm talking about 10 to 20% in a lot of places above expectations. Hmm. Interesting. I, I was talking with a producer that I visit with quite often in uh, central Illinois, and he was making the comment, I thought Iowa was supposed to be bad, you know, and they're in an area where there's some tar spot and they had, they had a really wet spell and a, and, a, and a dry spell they went through and they're in an area they, they typically have phenomenal yields or having really good yields, but they're not quite to that degree. But I think, like you said, Iowa, Illinois, there's some areas that are pretty big surprises. Do you think that's going to um, affect anything on yield, you know, on this some of this, this next report that we're going to be seeing eventually here from USDA in October? Any movement or changes there, do you think, or not? I- I don't think that, uh, I should have mentioned that when I was talking about yields. I don't think that has much of an impact on the market at this moment, Chris. Mm -hmm. I think that our, um, our production is going to be around 15 billion bushel of corn. Our production is going to be around 4.1 billion bushel of beans. And that's been a number that's been worked with for quite an extended period of time. 
I think the production conversation is more or less over. Granted, you could still see some very late surprises like we just experienced this last week from last year's crop. Uh, but you got a whole bunch of other influences happening in today's market outside of just production. Okay, so with that said, last week we saw that stocks report USDA had, you know, a lo- little bit more than what we thought. Uh, talk about that. What What's your thought there? Well, maybe a long time coming perhaps that, you tend to see bushels show up on balance sheets that you didn't know were there until prices go to multi-year highs. (laughs) I'm not so certain that this is a result of this bend bottom, that bend bottom, this guy that didn't need money stored this crop, so on and so on. Uh, I'm, I have a pretty big hunch that a chunk of that 80 million bushel of beans that we found, it's not just a yield increase from last year's crop or not just a acre increase or a combination of the both. Uh, plenty of beans uh, from the 2018 and 19 crop for that matter could have uh, finally found their way to market. Um, just a hunch, you know, we had that happen back in hell. Oh, I think that was 2013 that after those prices that we've seen in 2012, there was plenty of grain in the bin from 10 and 11 that made its way to market that really had never been accounted for. Okay. Uh, so did it shock the market? Yes. Yeah. Do they need to focus on it? No, I think it's just kind of a move on. Maybe we have a little bit more of a cushion in the bean market, mm-hmm. but our focus is quickly going to be on South America total production. It's going to quickly be on all of these continued rumors from the renewable space. It's no secret that you're seeing an incredible amount of money being invested in the renewable fuel space. Um, I mean, what are we up to now in Iowa? Four new plants been announced yeah. in the last six months? Yeah. they're crush plants? Yep. That's, so that's, it seems like beans have an exciting story there. We could have a little bit of a bumpy way uh, or a bumpy path to get to the, you know, next year's crop, for example. South America may be raising 145 to 150 million ton crop. Uh, but at the same time, uh, alongside all this money that continues to flow into the bean market from an R and D standpoint, uh, an investment standpoint, you still have this inflation bid in the market. The non-commercial long in the bean market is not so big anymore. Uh, but there's still a very large position from the index funds, more of your passive investor, uh, that has been a sticky long in all commodities for a very extended time frame now. Mm-hmm. So let's shift over a little bit to the uh, the the demand side with regard to China. Um, there, you know, you hear all this stuff. Well, you you don't hear it in certain areas, but in other areas, you you are hearing what's going on in China with energy issues and financial challenges and some things there is is there something there that we need to be cognizant of worried about thinking about paying attention to i would love to be an expert on that matter chris on all of the you know the devil in the details of all those problems they're having mm-hmm. more or less i think you just got to look at it that that uncertainty can create some fear and any type of market participants that are focused on more of a fundamental supply and demand 
specifically demand with China, I think that can definitely make them nervous very quickly. Uh, this energy piece combined with uh, financial troubles, combined with, you know, Olympics right around the corner, it just smells. How about mm-hmm. that? It just smells. And meanwhile, well, what have we been seeing China do? They've obviously been absent from the U.S. corn market since this last spring. Eventually, we need to see them come back in, maybe have a little bit of concerns on long-term corn price if China's absent on any more corn exports. Um but on the bean front, I'd say that they're just kind of been having maintenance purchases, maintenance purchases. And at the same time, you throw in uh, the hurricane in the Gulf that's definitely thrown a kink in things as well. And if I'm China, to a certain extent here, take this with a grain of salt. If I'm China and I'm looking at the current price on beans in the U.S. versus the price in Brazil in another 90 days, I'm holding off as long as I can. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I think we figured out in the last couple of years that it's not so much about the U.S. balance sheet on soybeans. I think it's more about the world balance sheet from the mix of Brazil, Argentina, U.S., Paraguay, Uruguay, uh, Chile to a certain extent, all these other countries. The world balance sheet is probably a bigger story than just the U.S. balance sheet. Um, and again, why are beans still 12 and a half bucks? I'm not going to say that they should be lower, but why? It's not like we have a crazy, friendly, fundamental situation out there. We have okay demand, but we have an inflation-driven market that people continue to flock to own commodities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the inflation thing, it seems like, you know, because there, there are some threats there on the soybean side with South America and and uh, with with China and the unknown and what they say they're going to take and what they do take. And, and, and then you add supply chain issues to that both ways with us getting stuff back from them. And, um, you know, we still do have the tariffs, right? I mean, the Biden administration still has the same tariffs the Trump administration put on. So... Does, that right. doesn't and incentivize that, them to buy on, a lot more. Yeah, on that note, um, maybe you have read anything on this. I saw this late last night, uh, so I admit I have not read anything on this, but apparently on Saturday afternoon, Biden had spoke on the threat of tariffs to China in some fashion. Mm-hmm. It's all I saw, so yeah. you know maybe that, we could have a little state, bit of a bumpy road beginning this next week. Yeah, that's one of the things to to, to say uh, whether it's this week or the next couple of weeks is stay tuned, I think, because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're just weird stuff. You know, you talk about something smelling, they're just weird things going on. And so those are things we can't control would, and stuff that we just need to pay attention to. I would, I would say a, a great reminder of what just can happen in an inflation market is 2008. Right. We basically went from $4 to $8 to four dollar and a little bit wider net i think we went all the way down into threes when it's all said and done mm-hmm. in the course of one year while at the same time inputs went up and didn't come back down in time correct that's the issue um that leads me to my final segment of questions i guess which are around the idea of you know, we talked in the beginning about yields, kind of how things are looking. Some so there's haves and have-nots, obviously, but um, 
harvest is is underway i mean there's places to the south obviously they're done got some stuff put away but there's places in the north haven't started and there's everything in between when you're out harvesting and you're putting stuff away and you look at and this is just me speaking but you sit here and you me anyway i sit here and i look at these these margins on soybeans you know 12 something on soybeans five something on corn we're looking at margins we would have we were praying for for the last six years and they're there what what you know talk about that what what are you doing you know what what do you think farmers need to be doing i mean you put stuff in back in the bin and you don't do anything to protect the risk there's a lot of risk there isn't there yeah uh obviously this year versus years prior just considering where the markets are mm-hmm. look uh, this is the best and the worst part about agriculture most likely <clears throat> it comes with an enormous amount of motion yep. and i i think it's as simple as somebody has to look themselves in the mirror and say if i can make this much money year in year out farming I'd be thrilled, right? I'd be emphatic about it. The, the margins are so good that I think it completely tosses out the window a store and wait type of a situation. If grain needs to go in the bin, it damn well better be because of logistics. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be unpriced grain in the bin either. Still, as of today, there's still some basis premiums available. So guys are still trying to execute on that. But then, you know, I have the expectation of a lot of producers I work with that we will be out of grain in the bin by the end of February. And I literally, (laughs) this is going to sound bad, I don't care what the price of this year's crop does from January 1st and forward. I don't care. Because I'm focusing everything on 2022. Yeah. And one little other, you know, maybe piece to consider. If, you know, I ask a farmer, what happens if your farm was a listed stock that the public had the ability to go trade? What would your stock price on your farm be doing in this environment? Your stock price would have skyrocketed. Mm Mm-hmm you would have been the attention uh, the, everybody's attention would be focusing on your stock. And at the same time, then you look at your board of directors, your board of directors says, Hey, you're making 50%, 75% return on investment. You think any successful business in the U S is going to turn down that type of ROI considering it went from negative 20 to 50% in less than a year. Right. That's uh, I just think that, it's simple, not get caught up in the market, mm-hmm. look at the profit. And if it's not enough, then <laughs> jokingly somewhat here, maybe agriculture is not for you mm-hmm. because this might be one of the best years a lot of producers ever have. Yeah. And it is tough for some of these guys that are on the fence that are slightly below APH or in that wedge zone where the, you know, and, and, and that, is not a good place to be and definitely understand that. But there's, but you know, there's a lot of people. That's a good point there, Chris. But I still think even when I look at a lot of producers that are yielding below APH, they're still making very, very good money. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because of where where the price opportunity is. Yep. And we don't want to let the situation of making good money last year, making good money this year, 
we want to make good money next year. And all of a sudden, if I can string together three very good years and things get lean in 2023 and 24, I'm going to be able to, uh, I'm going to, I shouldn't say afford it, but I'm going to be able to, uh, you know, hold my ground a little bit better. Mm-hmm. My last, again, just take the money. Yeah. <laughs> look at the money on the table. Yeah. No price, no yield opinions. Just look at the money on the table. Yeah. Especially once you know what your yields are, have a pretty good handle on them. There's, there's no excuse to say, well, I don't know what my yields are. You know, you're, you're finding out or you will know real soon here. Um, last question, 22, um, What's your thoughts there? Are you still doing anything there, watching this stuff? I mean, we talked about these threats on the soybean side and a few things. Um, there's really good margin opportunity there, and we won't talk about it yet. This one, next time I talk to you, we're going to talk about um, crop rotation going into 22 and some decisions, and probably people need to be thinking about that when they're combining, I guess, anyway, because um, that's going to – that's going to be some things you're going to want to do maybe differently this fall. Any, any comments on 22 things people need to be thinking about as they're harvesting? Uh, obviously inputs is a nightmare for 22. Um, I hope that that conversation for most on input started at least two months ago. And in the last couple of weeks that, um, you know, inputs have just gotten ridiculous, I would say. In fact, uh, I won't uh, mention a co-op's name, but a very well-known co-op in the state of Iowa. I asked for a bid uh, for anhydrous for the spring in the event we're not able to pull everything we need for this fall, and their best indication was 1100 to $1,200 a ton. Ouch. So we've obviously seen what the urea market's doing. Mm-hmm. Potash, eh, somewhat moving. Gap, somewhat moving. You have a uh, <laughs> fertilizer market might just be at the beginning of a very wild run. So all I'm saying here is that big variable, if you're buying any fertilizer, just simply divide off the price of new crop grain and sell that amount of dollars. Uh, make sure that we're not going to get hung out to dry with a high input price. You know, the biggest movers year on year, get those covered. Uh, and right now I think the entire fertilizer package for you know, I'll, I'll be curious to see what you say here, but most of my guys, it's probably about 17 to 18 bushel an acre covers their nitrogen need for next year at a, around a $5 price. Uh, and then you need to, you know, consider chipping away on the balance of your fertility needs. Uh, if we end up being a third sold with a five in front of it, combined with, uh, you know, margin protection that we talked about before, got a pretty hard time uh, farmer not making uh, at least a hundred dollar bill per acre next year and then on the beans i think it's even simpler good money on table just gonna have to start chipping away here admittedly i haven't done a lot of beans for next year um focus more on corn from the higher revenue situation uh but i don't think it's a lot different than the 2021 conversation look at the money on the table and just make sure you're taking a little bit every time you get an opportunity to do so yeah, I concur 100%. I mean, on that fertilizer side of things, what we're seeing with the the those who have been buying it anyway, um, for the most part that we've worked with Profit Manager on some of them, just trying to make sure that you offset uh, exactly what you said, your fertilizer with, with sales uh, dollar for dollar, because there's still margin there, even though mm-hmm. those, you know, nitrogen's more than double now, um, and, and it was double, you know, four weeks ago or a month and a half ago or whatever 
um, you could you could still make that work with where the price corn was and and is and and I think it still holds true. So, yep. Any any final thoughts? I think we're ready to wrap up. No, kind of a dead zone of the market. I'd just tell you, Chris, outside influences more than anything, and you know, just the producer just needs to be looking at the dollars on the table. That's we're a business. Right. We want to make money. That's right. Let's and, make uh, money. I think. Uh, I think this uh, next time I'm on with you, maybe get a little bit more detailed on a couple different marketing strategies to be thinking about for next year, considering the heightened input costs and uh, you know just what can happen to the bottom line should we see the bottom fall out in this inflation-driven market. Exactly. I would say stay tuned because there's a lot to talk about for 22 and, and moving forward. So, hey, Jared, really appreciate your time here today. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Chris. All right. And thanks everybody for listening again. If you're out there harvesting in the field yet, you guys, please stay safe, um, get your rest and uh, easier said than done sometimes, but uh, pay attention to stuff and and be careful out there. And we want to talk to you again next week. So again, thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Ag View Pitch.